Hello and welcome to Property Matters, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. You can find our weekly property show live every Sunday on propertymatterstv.co.uk or you can search on uh, Facebook or YouTube for Property Matters TV. Whenever and wherever you're watching us, please get involved in the show by adding your comments in the comments section. And if you want to email us, it's hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk. You can also find this show as a podcast every Monday at 10am. It's available on wherever you get your podcasts from. And this week, we've got a slightly different show, Joe, haven't we? Because we've been at the Asian Jewish Business Network Conference, which was last Monday, the 31st of October. And we got to talk to quite a few property professionals. Yes, it was really buzzing there. Actually, quite a quite an interesting show, uh, full of energy, um, and a lot of buzz going on with all the people that were in there. And it was good to see and get views from other property people and other people that are related in the property industry. Paul, um, and um, I think it was it was a great great value and great day out for us as well. Um, you know, uh, change of change of scenery and a change of environment. Yes, so we managed to get to talk to quite a lot of property professionals and what we're going to see in today's show is those conversations that we had last Monday. So with over 700 guests registered for the event, it was a busy day for co-founder Russell Bahar, but I managed to catch up with him during the day and I asked him just how important events like this one are for the two communities. Extremely important. I mean, every relationship is is important, but, you know, there's been, you know, this isn't something new that we've we've delivered. Is The, 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 the interaction of, of the communities, both the Asian and the Jewish has been going around for many, many, many years. What we've managed to, I guess, grab is the importance of it and, and, and be quite vocal on it. Mm. Um, it. It is two communities that do punch way above their weight in business. And I think we've seen that over the last three years. You know, as I said, this is our third year. Um, every year we seem to get bigger and bigger. This is the biggest event that we've done from today. But what we also understand is that outside of those communities, they want to network with the Asian and Jewish communities because the because of the I guess the, I guess the the level of high net worth um, in and around property, for instance. And obviously, we know property is a very sort of vast uh, topic. Mm, um, yeah. You know, finance and development and everything else. Um, so it's 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 uh, it's, a, it's it's we're trying to just grab that message and and share the importance of how it is to make sure that we meet with people, make sure that we network, and make sure that we share best business trade with people mm. and that's, that's the point i wanted to pick up with you now because it's you know after two years of sat at home behind our desk at home it's great to see so many people here today yeah. willing to come out and see each other face to face yeah listen we were very fortunate that we managed to launch the ajbn back in 2019 mm. in november and um, we launched it at lords a great iconic uh, venue we had just over 400 guests and then obviously during covid obviously we, we couldn't do anything other than online mm. um, it worked it, it helped us it helped us grow um, and last year we were back at Lords which you were there um, you know we just had over 500 people and this year we're over the moon to share a new venue for us you know a bigger venue three rooms um, you know over 700 people a conference exhibition and a lounge area where there's meetings going on you and i are talking yeah we've got an amazing view of westminster to our yeah, left it's tremendous um yeah. and it's and it's, it's been fantastic yeah it's great and of course as you mentioned property is a really important part of both the jewish and the asian community and as you say deals are done between them and we had um, members of those both communities here on our program um earlier today um just just talk us through Many of the, these communities will be invested in property, buy-to-let landlords, commercial landlords. 
How are they feeling right now? Because they must, there must be some concern. I think there's a lot of concern out there, whether it's property or not. Um, I think that, you know, someone actually said to me the other day that we were talking about recession. And um, uh, someone said to me, I think that we're already in the recession. You know, um, and when he said that, I think you know what? Well, maybe, maybe we are. Well, maybe we are in that recession. I think there's a lot that needs to be done in property. Property is the, one of the biggest, I guess, so very important for the economy. Um, I think I listen. I'm not a property expert, um, but from, the, from what I hear from you know a lot of our members and visitors and our exhibitors, they they, they say the same. That something needs to change in the property, and whether that is the mortgage rates need to come down, whether that's you know uh, the rental market needs to come down, and about, I guess not just in um, residential, obviously commercial as well. Mm. We can't just mm. remember or think that it's just on the the, the residential. Commercial is a massive part to play because if people can't afford the bills, they close down they stop mm, you yeah. know or it goes online or something else um, but I think it's, it's, it's extremely important that we uh, we just need to build back and we need to understand that I think the biggest part of the economy is it with within the property market mm. and of course we now have our first Asian Prime Minister which is yep. fantastic um, how does the uh, how the communities feel about the political situation currently? Um, I think they're I think I mean listen I, I don't know I, I think they're very happy with, with with the choice and so they should be but I think time will tell you know every time that we we, we go forwards you know two weeks later we step, we tend step, ten steps back mm. um, I think it's a really tricky place we're in at the moment um, I think there's a lot of need to do uh, action needs to be taken I think we need to continue to support I think there's too much negative press out there and I think that's what people are listening to yeah. and when, yeah. the, when, when the press is the way it has been you know and yes there's been mistakes there's been errors and U-turns and what have you but I think we need to give we need to give a bit of peace and quiet and get it and, and, and let them do the job this week, we're featuring conversations with property professionals at the Asian Jewish Business Network on Property Matters. We broadcast live for over 30 minutes last Monday, the 31st of October, and you can find that broadcast on our website or our YouTube or Facebook channels. During the show, Joe and I were joined by two special guests, Steve Wayne, who's the Managing Director of Benjamin Stevens Estate Agents, and Tanya Austin, who's a partner at Branch Austin McCormick Law Firm based in Mayfair in London. During the conversation, we touched on many areas, but we started with Steve's current assessment of the housing market. I would say the last six weeks there's definitely been um, a, an adjustment. There definitely seems to be we're on a, a little bit of a downward slope. Um, I think we're very lucky that this trust stepped away very quickly because that could have gone on for another three or four weeks. We now have a new Prime Minister and there's definitely been in the last, even the last few days, there's, there's definitely been a bit of an uplift again. Um, but property thrives off of confidence and having Boris leaving, then that part, trust coming in and, and being very shaky. It's been, it's been the last six weeks have been a little bit rocky out there. And just tell us a little bit about how you see the market right now. So you're saying things have slowed down, but is, is, is there the situation that people, have, kind of this FOMO thing, fear of missing out, I've just got to get on that ladder because yeah. if I'm on it, I can go, which is something that Joe Look, talks I think, about. I think everyone, especially in this country, have an obsession about being a homeowner. It's really something brought into us from a young age. The problem is at the moment, interest rates. And obviously the interest rates have gone up maybe half a percent, three quarter percent, but the mortgage rates have gone up by two, three percent. And, and that's the problem is they've gone from, you know, I've got someone I know who was a remortgage and they were looking before at one and a half percent. It's now been quoted six and a half. 
Now you're looking at going from £1,700 a month, and we're only talking a 300 grand mortgage, to interest only being at £1,700 a month. If he wanted exactly the same deal on the repayment on the same term, he's looking about two and a half grand a month. Now suddenly that's an extra £800 a month. Now for a lot of people, it's really hard to find that kind of money, and that's the problem at the moment. It's not necessarily, I think we have stabilised a little bit, but the mortgage rates are a big problem out there. And Steve, are you seeing out there in the market that it's a war between those wanting to buy to let and those looking to first-time buy? Are you, are you feeling um, that sense not, of that the, the, there's a... There's not right now, no. but, you know, rewind, you know, to when the stamp duty was, was there, it was crazy. Like, the first-time buyers and the investors were at absolute war together because that £15,000 made such a big difference. And you remember that £15,000 on, say, a 500 grand property was cash. So when someone's borrowing, borrowing 80%, you know, that 20% of £15,000 is a lot of money. So it took someone who was maybe looking at a two-bedroom flat could actually make that jump to a three-bedroom house very quickly. Um, at the moment, the investors have definitely taken a, a step back over the last six to nine months. Um, but in, in all circumstances, Joe Joe's saying, you know, there's a silver lining. Suddenly you're getting cash buyers who maybe a property's been sitting on the market at 300000 and making offers at 240, 250, and people are like, let me do that deal, you know, let me take that because they just don't feel that they're going to get anything better. So, in every situation, there's always opportunity. We've, we've had feedback from people who are first time buyers saying that they've been up for a property against someone who's got a hundred thousand deposit to do for a buy to let, and the agent is almost persuading the, 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 the vendor to go with the um, buy to let investment because obviously there's a hundred thousand down, so they you know they're not taking a huge mortgage on the property so there's a, a perceived better deal to be had there but also the fact that um, they they buy a lot of properties from an agent or they might be buying more properties because they buy buy to lets for a portfolio so it's almost like the agent's favoring yeah, look, it's, it's like with everything you'd always rather deal with someone you've dealt with before and you, you know they're going to perform than a first-time buyer who's reading the headlines petrified of what's coming next you know so Every situation needs to be taken differently. You know, for us, we like to see people move into their houses, live there as a family. You know, I speak to my staff all the time about you're dealing with someone's biggest asset. You're dealing with someone's dream. And I think, you know, in our, our industry, people don't realise that enough, how big of a thing we're dealing with. So, you know, for us, we've never tried to push people one way or the other. You know, at the end of the day, it's about choosing the best buyer at that best moment. You know, and it also depends. You know, sometimes you've got someone who hasn't found a property where an investor's better because the reality is the investor's not going to be driving themselves mad, where a first-time buyer is going to be phoning up every day, what's going on, have they found, have they found? So we've also had it flipped at the other situation. We have people who really connect with a buyer and feel they want their home to go to someone who's going to live there and enjoy it. Yeah. Tanya, you advise people on property uh, in your firm, and clearly we're hearing stories, as Joe's alluded to, uh, that buy-to-let investors are finding it tough because they're getting squeezed from both sides now. The cost of their borrowing is increasing and of course they're going to have to put rents up by 27%, we saw this last week, to, to even try and get the sort of returns they used to get. So what advice are you giving to investors in your firm? Where people, people usually come to us at the point where they've found somewhere. Um, Long-standing clients, we talk to them about their general plans, but we're actually not allowed to give advice in that, in that sort of sense, that commercial or financial advice. Um, notwithstanding that, we do have a lot of experience. And so 
where if somebody has got, sometimes you'll get a first-time buyer who's gone for something that nobody else will particularly go for because that's all they can afford and there's usually a reason why um, a price might be particularly low. Now if that's a structural or building, something that can be fixed with bricks and mortar, that's fine but they need to get a good survey, get that checked out for a landlord obviously you need to get that checked out and title is also very important with a lot of flats for example one of the first things that we will check out are the um, the subletting clauses whether it's permitted what sort of hoops you have to go through because the, there are hidden expenses when you come to sublet um, a property you can uh, require landlord's consent sometimes that can cost just on the legal fees of the landlord alone you know a thousand pounds a time plus then you've got the notice fees to give to the letting agents and the managing agents and so forth not the letting agents the managing agents so those are hidden expenses that people often don't take into account uh, when they're when they're, when they're going to be buying a property so some properties are better for buy to let than others some properties are more suited to owner occupiers in terms of title and the way that their lease is structured that's one of the things that we look at you're watching excerpts from our live broadcast from the Queen Elizabeth II Centre in Westminster for the Asian Jewish Business Network, which was last Monday, the 31st of October. We're catching up on the conversations we have with our property professionals, and we've got MD Steve Wayne from uh, Benjamin Stevens Estate Agents and Tania Austin from Branch Austin McCormick, the law firm in Mayfair. We'd spoken about the state of conveyancing on property matters many times, of course, with Joe and myself in the past two years. Uh, everyone agrees it needs radical reform and a rethink. But who is to blame for the lack of um, progress? Is it the agents or is it the lawyers? It's a question I put to Tanya Austin, partner in Branch Austin McCormick. You have to work together. It's all about communication, which is one of the things that you were saying earlier. Um, and it's, it's about balanced communication as well. You know, uh, so each, each uh, both a lawyer and, and, and the agent can work together, have some really, you know, really good relationships with agents. But, you know, and it's where you it's understand each other. The good solicitors are amazing. Yeah. And we keep recommending them, whether you know, they acknowledge it or not. The bad ones you see come up on your memo and you're just like, <laughs> that will be ready for next Christmas. You know, and, and, and the problem is, is the public struggle, because you look at things like Purple Bricks, the public struggle of understanding, because it's cheap, it doesn't mean it works. And you look at certain models and certain companies out there who are, for what you may be charged, 12, 1400 pounds, 1800 pounds, they're charging 600 pounds. So the general public thinks, well, I can save a thousand pounds. But, and I look at it as, well, actually, you're going to lose that property over the of trying to save a thousand pounds. So the goods, the goods of listers, we have no problems with. The problems are, it's the same people every time. It's those same factories who have got, you know, 80 staff and 4,000 cases. They just can't cope with the work, but they just keep taking it on. Do you think the industry suffered from having a lot of people that want to be disruptors? You know, we've had the Purple Bricks example. We've had sell your house for £99 and all that sort of thing. And yeah, it's great because, you know, somebody's going to put some money into a little um, fintech company or something like that, and they're going to try and disrupt the market. But actually... Well, they all lose money. Well, of course, there's, there's very few of these companies who've come out. They don't, the problem is a lot of these companies don't come into the market. They'll say they will. They don't come in the market to to make the market better. So many of them, before they even start, they're talking about crowdfunding raising funds and they're talking about they're selling off I've known people who have these side of businesses and they're six nine months in and they're already talking about they're, sell they're selling and I'm like why did you come into this you know we ca I came into this business because I was a really good agent I wanted my own firm I wanted to, to build a business for, for life you know and then you get these people who come in and they, they come to 
to ruin an industry. Like, don't get me wrong, the, the conveyancing, and I'm sure you'd agree, is broken, it's very archaic, it's, it's so old-fashioned, there needs to be a way of, of changing it, but I don't think we'll see it in our lifetime. But the problem is not the good solicitors, the problem is the people who are trying to do things too quickly, too, quickly, too, too cheaply. cheaply. And, and they're the people who, what happens is, the people you're dealing with aren't actually lawyers, so they don't know what they're doing. So what happens is they're waiting for the lawyer to come. Oh, sorry, we can't exchange today because Joanne's not in or whatever's not in today. And you're like, well, there's, there's no one else in the firm. Sorry, she's ahead of our team. And, like, and there's a team of 10. And you're just like, it just becomes like a factory. It's not, they're not actually doing your job. And yeah. the same with Purple Bricks. They've never been estate agents. They list the properties on Rightmove and Zoopla. And if that property is not sold in two weeks, it's not selling. And they'll just hit you for a price reduction until they get to a point where the price is lower than what you ever would have dreamed of and then when you look at the price you would have got paying an agent a good fee you're better off choosing your local agent who charges one and a half percent in the first place so tanya we i think we both agree that the conveyancing system is broken we all agree the conveyancing system is so who is who is slowing up the process who's resisting change is it the lawyer well it's very difficult i don't think it is the lawyer I mean, we work with what we have we have duties to lenders we have duties to our clients yeah, we need when when somebody is buying a property it is as we all agree the biggest investment they'll ever make most of the time it's very very important to get it right so you know when we're looking at what, uh, what somebody's buying we're also looking at their exit strategy at the same time so we need we want to resolve all the problems that there are I suppose that the conveyancing process you know these whole properties and things like this it's all grown up in a very uh, you know, very Quite a random matter. Yes, we've got you know the 1925 Law of Property Act, which sort of sets down you know the basic principles and foundations for what we have today. But in terms of we, we, how how development works, how property is built, how title is created, it's individual. It's as individual as each property, individual as each particular development. And sometimes there are mistakes in those things, and they're built in. Uh, they're not necessarily meant to be built in, but Okay, sometimes they are meant to be built in. Take escalating ground rents, for example, okay, where the ground rents sort of double and then triple, etc., etc. Now, those were built in by many developers because then they would be able to, another thing, sell off the ground rents. It's another form of investment and another form of reaping the benefit. But you know, it's, it's one that people didn't realise if they weren't properly guided as to what the cost could be uh, in X years' time. Is also one that, they, that the lenders were perfectly happy with initially, and then they changed their minds. They're not happy with it any, you know, at all. So, uh, yeah, there's. I suppose that the conveyancing process reflects properties and it reflects people and human beings. So, uh, it's never, it's probably never going to be perfect. But I think there are, you know, there probably are things that can be improved. Uh, I'll stop for now because I'm just about running out of thirsty. <laughs> I've talked enough for a moment. <laughs> to say that every, everyone seems to agree, and we've talked about it, Joe and I on the show, but that the, having more of the information up front when you decide to buy the, to make the offer in the first place would be a so much better system because so many of the part when we actually get down the line and we get into you mean the, like the, the hips, the hips. Like, I was like going to say hip. like, hip, like the hip system yeah. which actually you know, I mean, people were very resistant to that when that first came in but actually it, it worked well it worked great it worked great Suddenly and then, then they times are so much quicker yeah and then they abandoned it all it is it is crazy that <laughs> yeah. actually that was moving the world on yeah and yeah. all they kept were the epcs which 
you know, is a little bit of money for people. But even that, you know, people haven't been able to make careers out of that. Mm-hmm. So they sort of built this thing in, which just is pointless. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the, because we always used to provide sale packages. Sorry, especially if we were doing development work, we would, you know, provide sale packages from the very beginning anyway, with all the information available up front. So for us, it wasn't a, a huge move at all to actually do that for our sellers and our etc. And it's a very good discipline, something we like doing. So. It's been quite a year in the property industry this year, of course. We've had political upheaval at home as well. Uh, and it's been quite a year with a new Prime Minister, Richie Sunak, in place. And he's reinstated Michael Gover's Secretary of State for Leveling Up, Housing and Communities and Minister for Intergovernmental Relations. And I asked Steve Wayne, MD of Benjamin Stevens Estate Agents, if he thought this was good news for the property industry. I, I guess time will tell. You know, I don't, I, I'm not, don't know the guy's thoughts and politics, but... It would be a very, very easy move for them is to go back nine months and get that stamp duty cut properly this time and really get the property market moving. Because the reality is, is you get property moving, solicitors make money, carpenters make money, bathroom companies make money. It, I don't think people realise, and that's when we came out of, out of the um, pandemic, that's why they did that, is property gets everything moving and they need to get this market. We are in a stale market and they haven't, you know, they've taken the extra 17 days because obviously today was supposed to be the budget and they've taken that extra bit of time and they need to do something a little bit drastic and people would turn around and go well you're losing money by getting that rid of that stamp duty but actually you get so much more money coming in from all different other angles you know i think if they can look at going back down there i think they'll get this whole country moving again and, and, and Tanya, Section 21, they're saying that that's going to go, and, and you can see the rhetoric from, from, I don't want to be too political today, but you can see the re- rhetoric about, you know, unruly landlords, you know, and, and, and uh, being, being victim, making victims out of their tenants, etc. So, and, and of course it's an unregulated industry and they make big play on that. Um, they are saying that they're going to, in taking Section 21 away, going to give other forms of, um, of, of resolution through courts and so on, separate courts, aren't they? So, so um, do you think that's a good move? But they're going to have to do something, aren't they? Well, what they're, they're going to have to do, first of all, is they are going to have to sort out the courts because if anything is broken, the court system is under huge stress and strain. Uh, and one of the huge problems with regard to... Um, uh, tenancy repossessions has been, partly, has been to do with the fact that it takes so long to get repossession hearings, the court hearings. Um, there are two sides to every story. Section 21, no fault. It can still take a long time. Um, uh, I think that perhaps what one could do is maybe keep that Section 21, just personally, but have a much longer notice period, give people more time to move. Um, you know, we act for a lot of landlords, so I've seen Section 21 and Section 8 from the other way around, and it has been very, very difficult and very, very expensive for the landlords to get possession in certain cases. Because, again, as with everything, every system is open to abuse. It always comes down to human nature. You know, none of us is perfect, no landlord is perfect, no tenant is perfect. Um, so I think that the judicial point, getting, getting, getting the courts, getting the resolution system up running, would be much, a really good way to take this forward. Uh, last question, Steve, if I may. Um, clearly, if landlords are being squeezed and getting out of the market, that must be good news for first-time buyers. Yeah, look, obviously, if landlords are going to be walking away from it, then first-time buyers will jump in. But then there's a new generation of landlords coming as well. So, you know, for all the doom and gloom, you know, and you talk about all the, all the problems, you know, a good landlord will, will attract a good tenant. 
and I'd never met a landlord who's thrown out a good tenant. And I think people sort of miss it. You know, if a landlord looks after their tenant and you work with a good agency which pushes you to be a good landlord, you know, because us, if we've got a rogue landlord, we just don't deal with them. We don't have any problems. We, we manage hundreds and hundreds of properties. We really don't have major issues because our landlords look after our tenants. We don't have the problems with evicting people and getting people out because if the tenants, why would a good landlord want to get a good tenant out? They don't. They bought it as an investment and unless there's a life change in their, in their situation, they don't really want to get the tenants out. You know, I've always said to landlords, keep the rents at the right price so the tenants can afford and then you don't have the problems. So people will, of course, come out you know, naturally out of the market, but there's a hell of a lot of people waiting to go and fill their places as the next generation of landlords. This week, we're featuring conversations that we have with property professionals at the Asian Jewish Business Network Conference at the QE2 Centre in Westminster on Monday, 31st of October. At the conference, I caught up with Liz Bateson, who founded a company called HiNet Connect, which matches high net worth individuals with people who provide services in that sector. So a bit like a business dating agency, if you like. And I started by asking her all about the idea and how it began. It was about two years ago, almost, and um, COVID happened, lockdown happened. I was in property anyway. I became uh, a property investor as an angel investor about six years ago. It went terrible. It went really bad. I lost six figures. Oh my goodness. It was horrific. However, I learned a lot of lessons. And from there, I started to find that I could find the money better than I could actually invest in the deals myself, pick the right things, I could find the money easily. So what happened was that I joined all these other property networks and they had amazing deals. Now I wish to God I'd found them before when I was an investor, but unfortunately that was later on and I've made that money back. But I was starting to think actually there is a service here where people that are good at finding money can be with joined to people that are good at finding deals. And I started to do that on an individual basis. And then I thought, why are people finding it hard to find these high net worth individuals? I find it really easy. And lots of people coming to me and saying, well, we just don't know how you do it. How do you do what you do? And I said, okay, let's take some weight off of me as just one person. There's only so many deals that can kind of funnel through myself. Let's create a community that have the need for the high net worth demographic as their clients, buyers, investors, put them all together and you can all learn from each other and learn from me and let's get everybody up to speed as to where to find these people because there's such a lot of mystery with with regard to the world of the wealthy and a lot of it is myth and legend like they imagine they're superhuman that they don't have the same worries that we have and they're not they're just normal people and they want their money to grow and they want great services and they want amazing um, people to work with so I do a lot of demystifying in the business community for the service providers but I also do a lot of looking after the actual high net worths in the members club so they come to me for very discreet small meetings where they can feel comfortable and safe and not sold to you know so really after two years of holding small meetings for the high net worths and online meetings for the business community it's evolved into this amazing family where we build on the Uh, values of trust, integrity. We want to be able to be in a space where the high net worth don't feel threatened or sold to. And we also have, you know, because it's it's quite terrifying because I was that person. 
but at the same time, I really want to get those amazing property um, opportunities into the right hands because together we can just make great, great things happen. Yeah, so it genuinely is a, a partnership, of course. Um, so one of the things that, and the reason you're on this show, Property Matters, is that property forms a large amount of what those sort of deals will be for them. So. Um, just talk us through what sort of deals are, are high net worths attracted to at the mm. moment because the world has changed so oh, much. Totally, totally. I mean, we work with lots of overseas investors. Um, I say we, there's various groups and companies that I, I work within, and um, it has changed a lot. What has happened, particularly with Chinese investors, is that they, they did see this place as, you know, safe as houses without, yeah. you know, excuse literally, the pun, yeah. literally. Yeah. Uh, amazing interest rates and everything was very stable. Now we need to look at things that are still stable, still affordable, and so the kind of um, trend has been going towards more social housing, supported living, guaranteed rents, and I personally work with providers that do this. So I have my portfolio has guaranteed rent for three years. Uh, they look after the property, I get a great return, and I'm doing good. And you don't actually have to have a lot to enter into those kinds of deals. So whilst they kind of were almost like the property hygiene of the past, now becoming very sexy. Mm. So would you call that the build to rent sector effectively? Is that the same sort of thing where they build um, sort of things like uh, student assisted living, that sort of thing where, where they build properties and students rent and you invest in that, that uh, situation? Is that what you're talking about? I would say it was more to do with the people that needed help. So it would be more the kind of assisted living, people that needed, unfortunately in this country, there's a lot more people out there that do need that support. So having care workers coming in, the social housing, so it will be people that will have their rent paid by the government. It will also be supported and assisted living at different levels of the same thing. So it will be more to do with people that need a really safe place to be. Unfortunately, these people have been... Um, offered less than amazing accommodation yeah, because of the yeah, budgets. Yeah. But now people are putting more money into it. And there's also another really sexy place uh, to put your money in as an investor. I shouldn't say that. I'm not a financial <laughs> advisor <laughs> or a legal advisor. No, no, yes. But luxury retirement homes. Mm. That is another little niche that people are very, very excited mm. about. And I was reading, I don't know if it's uh, JP Morgan or Goldman Sachs are putting billions into this in this country and news spreads fast. So again, it's a demographic that have the money, just like social housing, mm -hmm. they have the money. So you can um, you know, invest in the development that has a much more stable future. Yeah, and of course, the attraction for a high net worth is that they can put their money in and see a return, and they haven't got to go and deal with leaky taps like a landlord exactly. who's doing buy-to-let, for example. So, exactly. so they're getting involved in that sector where yeah. they can literally invest their money and, and then look at that grow and, yes. and have some input from a sort of executive board type level. Absolutely, yeah. and, and that's why I love the social housing model because as I said, my particular provider covers everything, even the gas safety checks. I was like, we need to do our gas safety check. Is that done it? Yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's very attractive to investors. Yeah. So I think I'm right in saying off the top of my head, there's something like over 150 laws uh, or pieces of legislation in place for buy-to-let landlords to, yes. to, uh, to, 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 to observe yes. to stay on the right side of the yes. law. So yes. it's quite an yes. onerous thing. And of course, 
if you're a high net worth individual, um, oh you know, you're not going to be worried about wanting to go, you know, we've no. got a property in Workington or Scunthorpe exactly. or somewhere, <laughs> and you're going to want to go and do uh, the leaky tap because someone's yeah. rung you up at two in the morning. So, yeah. so, so they're getting involved in that kind of thing as well. And yeah. how do they look at the current situation? I mean, the world is a yeah. very, very different place. I mean, a turbulent two years to say the least what yeah. with covid and then now we've got uh, putin's war and we've got uh, cost of living crisis as a result of that we've had political instability yes. what do they make of all that yes well you've got different levels of high net worth and actually in this country the high net worth definition the legal definition is is relatively low you only need to be earning a hundred thousand pounds a year and mm. having a net worth uh, a net net assets of over 250,000 not including wow. your house so it's actually quite low yeah so we have that level mm. and then we have the super high ultra high net worth yeah. mm. for the ultra high net worth I would say they probably saw it coming I'm not saying they had anything to do with it no. <laughs> but they no. definitely saw it coming <laughs> and um, can take advantage of being cash rich I mean a lot of them do have assets but there are a lot of people quite excited in a very, uh, not my network, obviously they're lovely, there's a lot of wealthy people that, are, that have got cash that are very excited about what's happening because they're going to be mopping up a lot of the repossessions, mm. which is, it feels horrible and it's not something I... It's business, isn't it? it exactly. Yeah. So um, I would say the lower levels, again, um, confusion as, as with everybody, but if they have that cash, it is a it's an interesting time for them of course what they really want is political stability and there is something about this country we have just got a, a resilience we know it's going to be okay <laughs> it'll be all right in the end it will be all right in the end chin up and, and we'll just keep going and um you know what that energy that we we even we've had i won't mention the exact names but we've had lots of problems very recently in our parliament People still have a faith in the UK, mm. and no matter what, spoken to our overseas investors, they still love us and they still love investing mm. in UK properties, mm. nothing yeah. like it. Much of our discussions at the Asian Jewish Business Network conference this last week was about buying and selling property, but it was also important to get some insight into the current situation in the rental market. Bhavesh Patel is the Business Development Manager for Bumblebee Lettings and Let to Barnet, and we started our conversation with an explanation of how these two businesses interact to serve tenants in the Barnet area. We're part of the Barnet Group, which is owned by Barnet Homes and is governed by the London Borough of Barnet. Uh, we're based in Barnet, we cover all those areas. Uh, got, we've got two agencies, one is a social agency called Let to Barnet. This helps people who are homeless or looking for properties and are on low income. For this particular service we help people go into houses where they can't afford it and we pay a, a cash incentive to our landlords to take these, these properties for house, homeless applicants. We were so successful with this model that a lot of landlords said they would love to work with us and our service is really good. However, they wanted market rent, so we opened up Bumblebee. So the reason we had the name Bumblebee was it's got a lot of marketing potentials which we can use to our advantage. And so we've been running Bumblebee for four years. We've got more than 350 properties which we manage, uh, which is quite good in that piece of time. Our service is the most important factor and you know, having knowledgeable staff you know, on our team who know about the market trends etc so that's what we do. You couldn't have picked a more dynamic time to get into rentals and the yeah. property industry it's been an extraordinary couple of years hasn't yes, it? let's it be is. honest about it and uh, now we're in a situation where after a pandemic uh, and a cost of living crisis following on from a, an illegal war we're now in a situation where of course interest rates are rising 
Landlords are saying they can no longer make it pay to be a buy-to-let landlord. Uh, they're going to have to raise their rents, they suggest, by up to 27%. Okay, yeah. uh, at the same time, tenants are saying that, uh, well, landlords are saying that tenants are now paying up to 18% more for their rent. Okay. So it seems to be going very, very well. But what's going to happen to your business if all the landlords decide to sell up? And indeed, are they? That's the problem. So what you're going to have is a situation where they, all agents are going to be fighting the landlords for the properties. Then you're going to get the rents going higher and higher and higher. The fees will be cut because you know, they'll be competitive with their markets. And you're going to have overpriced properties, number one. And you're going to have tenants who are going to move into these properties, but over the long term, they're not going to be able to afford the rental. Mm. So it's going to be an issue with those landlords in the future because they're going to have rent arrears, etc. So the idea is to find a balance. And this is going to be the difficult thing to do. So at the moment, like um, you take Collindor, for example, two bedrooms that traditionally were going for 1100, 1200, are now renting for 1500, 1600. Same as a three bedroom house, when you're going for 2000 pounds. Mm. So it's a mad market out there. And there are two, three multiple offers on properties as well, which has changed. So it's good being a letting agent and a landlord, mm. but how long can it survive for? We don't know, mm. because there's a lack of properties. I suppose that the market will find what it can afford, won't it? I mean, mm. the problem with the, the, the buying market, the, the, the investment market in particular, is that you know, if, if a first-time buyer is coming in to buy a property, bank of mum and dad often helps out. Yeah. But if you're looking to rent your first home with your young family, you don't necessarily have the bank of mum and dad I'm to help dead, pay the dead. rent, do yeah, you? And I know that's where some of your social housing initiatives come in, but if rents are coming up to sixteen, seventeen hundred pounds just for a small family home, mm. then that's going to be a struggle for people to meet so at some point something has to give don't you think? Yeah, yeah definitely something has to give the government have to get involved I think help something I mean, maybe there's rent caps to be put into place which may help other problems you have is the rents have gone up obviously we know that the buy to let mortgage prices have gone up the interest rates are horrendously high at the moment mm. so what was comfortable for most landlords is not comfortable for now so they have two options either they sell their properties and evict their tenants. We'll then have more people be homeless, and there's lack of properties coming in. A sort of a vicious circle as such. Mm. Or what do you do? Do you arrange to get the prices go down? Interest rates have a, a buy let mortgage works in a different way. Um, it's it's a black hole really. No one knows what's going to happen. Mm. Uh, at the moment, people are jumping on a bandwagon like they did with sales when the sales are going really high over COVID. Mm. People bought loads of properties and it's going mad. But now. It's, you know, the rental market's in the same situation. How long can it go on for? Yeah. I mean, it definitely seems to be a fear of missing out scenario going on with property at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, everyone's clambering to get on the ladder. And some people are just clambering to find somewhere to live, literally, and, pa and yeah. pay a, a, a sensible level of rent, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, looking at the, the property market, we're hearing stories that we feature on the show every Sunday about the fact that a lot of uh, agents are favouring landlords to buy a property that's coming like a particular first-time buyer's mm. property. Uh, obviously, you've got two people going for those properties, first-time buyers, yes, and you've got the landlords yeah. looking to get the next, the next buy-to-let, or their first buy-to-let, maybe. And we're hearing stories of agents, because they want to do more business with the, with the landlord, the landlord, potentially, yes. uh, actually go into the, to the, uh, send the vendor and saying, you know, go with this one, because yeah. they've got a 100,000 deposit, yeah. um, whereas the, the young couple haven't. And, yeah. And, and they're tending to go with that, which of course is making it even harder. harder. So, so my point is this, if 
you then get more and more people buying these properties at inflated market prices as the prices seem to keep going up and up and up. That's inevitably going to mean that when that property is then worked out on a rental basis, because of what yeah. the mortgage payments are going to be for yeah, the landlord, it's, it's still going to be high. Yeah, the rent's so going to be really high as well. Rental will always topple down yeah, from, from the top, purchase. From the purchase yeah. price. And so that's where you're going to have an issue where you've got a new, an old, an old, traditionally with the state agency and people renting the property, landlords were old landlords who had the property for years on end, they had less limited amount of money to pay on the mortgage, so they could afford to pay the rent at a certain price. A lot of people have now had buy to let because it's easy to get to buy to let mortgages, mm. especially since COVID, there's a lot more people purchasing properties, they had bigger deposits to put down. So what happened then is the rents, the house prices were going higher, the rents were still okay level, but now it's going where the interest rates have gone so much high, mm. the rent, rents are not even going high, they're not working together. So it's putting landlords in position, so what they do, they look for the capital growth and try and move out in the market and try and look at somewhere else to invest. So this is what we're seeing as well, a lot of landlords pulling out the market, because also you've got taxes implications as well, mm. which is a problem as well. So landlords which had a nice market to be a landlord, where you're making a profit for the future, is not helping them. And with the no tax release on the mortgage rates as well, well that's been, been an issue as well for landlords as well. So. It's in a, in a situation currently, you know, it's, the letting market is going to be quite strong for a little while, but it's got to be a point where you cannot go any further. It's going to be a ceiling there, and when that ceiling's hit, it's going to be a pressure for everyone concerned. And you know, you get other questions where tenants will move into properties, they pay their running, they're desperate to move into a property, they'll move in, but then they won't be able to pay the rent. So what happens is they'll start having rent arrears, can't pay the rent, it'll go on and on and on, and then the landlords want to evict those tenants, and it's going to become more problem. And now, obviously, government looking to put the white paper and do something like um, introduce rent, 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 so not rent reviews, but they want to do the, the white paper so you can have uh, no, uh, no evictions and have a caveat contracts without the Section 21. If that comes into place, it's going to be even worse for mm. landlords and that's going to scare landlords out of the market as well. Yeah. Of course we've got Michael Gove back in uh, the uh, housing department or Minister for Leveling Up as he's yeah. now called um, and he is looking to get back on the agenda that he was put in place for uh, by Boris originally. Um, part of that is what, what many see as landlord bashing in other words yeah. you know all these rogue landlords unregulated being yeah. unfair on tenants I mean we all know that a good landlord with a good tenant doesn't want that relationship to end and yeah. why would you but the point is this with section 21 uh, it seems the government are hell-bent on stopping landlords just throwing people out for no good reason as they yeah. see section 21 of being uh, and only seem, seeing the one side of it perhaps you could argue um, do you think it's a good thing that section 21 is going to be going or rumored to be going or do you think it should go and it's the right thing to do I think it's not the right thing to do section 21 is a get-out clause for landlords who just have a reason to sell. For example, their children want to move into the property or they're, they're downsizing and they're moving to property or they have to sell the property to make some money to put another bench, etc. So having a Section 21 abolish is not good for the market at all. And it'll put tenants in a really strong position. And obviously they're saying that if you have rent arrears or antisocial behaviour black tenants, they can still be uh, evicted, but it's not easy to evict them in the first place, so that's going to be a problem. So personally, Section 21 is going to have a very detrimental effect to the housing market and the rental market, and there's going to be a very big burden on landlords who, I think, exit the market because of this.
There's been many taxes, of course, placed on the, uh, the, the the landlord over the years, which is why so many of them incorporate into into limited mm. companies now yeah. to, to get those tax benefits back yeah. or different different uh, tax benefits. Um, do you, do you think that that's going to lead to a plethora of houses on the market, uh, which would be obviously good news for first time buyers, or do you think there'll be other landlords wanting to step in and, and have a go yeah. themselves? So currently, I think most landlords, overseas landlords, will come into the market because. They just want to rent and they see England as a good haven for their properties. It's a stable sort of money coming through. So you'll get more people from overseas tech market landlords coming over. I personally think if that happened, we should kick the market up again. Obviously, you've got Russians, Ukraines not buying who they usually do buy. But sooner than that, when war does finish, they'll come back again. You've got the, the Chinese market, people buying Hong Kong investors, South African investors. So these guys will still buy in the UK. So it's going to be difficult for the, the, the normal UK residents to get on the property market. And also the price is going up and up and up. It's, and it's going to be difficult for pe people in the future to be affordable because remember, even if you're earning about 100,000 and the property price today, it's not making sense to no. be able to purchase property in your first and you know, years ago, you, you could be earning on a 25,000 salary and still be able to afford a house. But now you could be earning much more and still not get in a property market mm. and ladder. So mm. it's going to and be... Do you think it really will come to a point where everyone says enough is enough and, and, and everything will, prices will reduce? I mean, we're seeing prices of properties Probably coming come down. down. So I think it all depends on the market and what's happening. So over time, prices will always come down. So example, even with rents, if, if, if tenants can't afford to pay rents and they stop paying rents and say, oh, I'm going to stay where I am because I can't pay any more rent, what will happen is those landlords will have to go down in prices and sales again will have the same issue. So then you'll see a levelling out and that's mm -hmm. what we really require. Mm -hmm. But then I think the government might intervene and offer, you know, cap rents, etc. But then again, if you're there to make profit and you have cap rents, then you may be ending up paying more for your interest rates and mortgage than the actual rent you'll get income coming. So that puts you in a position not to be in the market as well. So it's a catch-22 situation, which is what we're in at the moment, which is quite frustrating. <laughs> that was Bavesh Patel, the Business Development Manager of Bumblebee Lettings and Lecter Barnett. And uh, Joe, it was... Quite an interesting show. Um, I hope you enjoyed those conversations. Yeah, it was good. And thanks to Bavish, uh, just uh, for all his lovely umbrellas that he actually kindly uh, donated to me at the end. And the amazing thing was it did rain, but I didn't use them on that day, but I certainly will. And uh, thank you very much for your contribution, Bavesh. Um, uh, it was a really interesting day for us as well. Lovely. And that's all we have time for on Property Matters this week. We'll be back with our usual format of show next Sunday, 10 a.m.